Hello, I'm Kim Katola, host of Cradle My Heart Radio. Our mission is preventing abortion and helping those it hurts. And our vision is to bring abortion recovery to the church, reaching out to equip and encourage pastors, elders, ministry leaders, and others so they can minister God's love to the millions of Christians personally impacted by this moral crisis of our time. Saving lives and healing hearts, this is Cradle My Heart Radio. Find us online at cradlemyheart.org. Where can you find God's voice in the noise on reproductive choice? For over a million women and men each year, the question goes beyond politics to become much more pressing and personal, both before and after the choice. And we are called to love the little children just as God does. Listen to Cradle My Heart Radio with your host, Kim Katola, speaker, writer, and broadcaster, sharing God's truth to prevent abortion and help those it hurts. Learn more at cradlemyheart.org. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Cradle My Heart Radio and with our guest, Walter Hoy, who is the founder of Issues for Life. And we're going to let Walter talk about the mission and some of the current activities. But you may have heard his story years ago when he took it to the streets. Walter was standing outside of an abortion facility holding a sign that said, I think Jesus loves you and so do we. We can help you. Some such very uh, gentle, nice uh non-controversial, non-violent sign and got arrested, ended up having, you know, getting a, a jail sentence. And Walter, I don't know if God just didn't use that to ignite something really, really special. Welcome to Cradle My Heart Radio. How are you today? Oh, Kim, it's my pleasure. We love you and the ministry that you're doing right now. It's so neat. You know, Walter and I became acquainted oh, maybe 10 years ago when we, and when I was doing another broadcast on this same topic. And it's incredible, isn't it, Walter? I mean, we're still keeping our hand to the plow, and yet the need is still so huge. It, 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 it's amazing what God has accomplished with, with, with you and I. And again, I, I'm just so grateful to be a part of your program. And one of the things that we're doing with this iteration of this broadcast, Walter, is trying to reach pastors and trying to reach church leaders, elders, shepherds of all kinds to bring the issue of abortion into the church. You know, many churches are pro-life. They support a local pregnancy center. All good. Please keep that up. More of that, please. Uh, and yet, when it gets down to talking about how to help the person who didn't get that message, the person who had an abortion, or or even the woman who's pregnant and hoping to hide that from the congregation, the church has still got so much work to do. And I think, I don't know, I sense it's a top-down issue. And I want to give you the chance to talk to pastors in this segment, Walter, because I know you've got a lot of thoughts for them. Well, one, I'd like to say that a pastor's job is his specific path that's been assigned him from from heaven above is to communicate God's will and way from his word. It's not about civil law. It's not about the Constitution. It's not about whatever is popular in the public square. Our job, our calling, our responsibility, our duty, our commitment to our personal relationship to 
communicate God's will, God's way from God's word. And when we do that, it, it won't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican. What will matter is what God says in his, in his word. So there are many things that are happening today that are clearly against the word of God. And there is just no way you can be faithful to your calling as a pastor and not be committed to his word. You know, Walter, as I think about your witness, your literal witness on the sidewalk, trying to rescue those being led away to death and save their mothers from the aftermath of abortion, there was something in your heart that knew that you as a pastor were needed there. And I think so many pastors are reluctant and reticent, and they just don't understand, even after abortion, oh my goodness, the need for absolution from a man of God is so strong in the women and men who carry that guilt. How did you perceive that you had a special place on that sidewalk? Tell us more of that story. I mean, I just roughed it in. There's so much more to the story. But how did you perceive that you were needed on that sidewalk as a pastor? Well, it it, it, it got to the point where God made it plain to me what abortion was and what abortion does. And, and when, I was, when I finally understood that abortion literally takes the life of an innocent human being, a, a life that God himself has created, a life that God understands the circumstances, God understands exactly what the environment is, God understands what's going on, and yet he and his providence still created that life. When I understood that, it became a mission to communicate his word on that public sidewalk. So when I carried that sign that said, God loves you and your baby will help you, the sisters would literally walk up to me and they'd say, hey, preacher, is it true that God loves you? Now, she's in front of the abortion clinic. The clinic is trying to get her to stop talking to me. She's only got a few minutes left before she's in there for, for the abortion, the end of the life for her baby. And the one thing she wants to know, is it true? And so that God loves her. And so we've got to do a better job as pastors communicating how God loves us. And that's a specific calling, a direct calling from heaven above. It's just so touching to think about women so desperate that they're willing to listen to these people who are providing what they say is a solution, and they're literally being led to slaughter. It's just uh, so moving to hear you talk about it and to know the price that you paid for it, Walter. And and when you talk about how God impressed upon you the value of life and how wrong abortion was, I want to give you the chance to share some of that, too, because I know that this became so personal for you. And I, I don't know if maybe the complacency or the silence, anyway, of pastors is because they've just never had the type of challenge that you and your beautiful wife had with your child. Well, it was the birth of my firstborn son. He he weighed in, oh, at one point, 
nine. Mm. No, let me correct that. Within a 2.1. He ultimately went down to 1.6, but when he was 1.9, I was holding him in the palm of my right hand. And I had been praying all night to hear from God and heck. So I had got up early, went to the preemie ward, and I was literally holding him in the palm of my right hand at 1.9. It was then. It was right there while I was holding myself. That God literally answered the prayers I had been praying all night. He spoke to me, and he literally just said, Walter, what you're holding in the palm of your right hand is what supposed to be inside of a woman. And when he said that to me, that changed my world completely. I, I was pro-life from then. Mm. It's so dramatic. And um, the rest of that story in terms of your son? He's doing well now. I want to let, let everybody know God, God is blessed. And there are some things that are that he's still working with, that he has to live with as a result of being uh, premature. Uh, But it's clear God has gifted him greatly. And God has actually opened up my eyes to not only see that he is the creator of life itself, but he's the provider. He's the one that will provide. He's the one that will make a way. And there's nothing he can't do. There aren't circumstances that are too much for him. Regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what good you have or don't have in your life, God will see you through. Walter Hoyer is our guest, and his dramatic story and testimony are uh, found on Issues for Life, his website, an organization that he has founded to not only try to prevent abortion, try to give restoration to the millions who have been broken by it and the hope of heaven for these parents with their children. But he's also got an outreach to pastors. And since this program has a real focus on pastors and church leaders, I want you to talk about something you had in your uh, newsletter recently about what the Bible says about pastors. Not necessarily uh, to try to scold anybody, Walter, but maybe to motivate the church leaders who are listening about the importance and the the um, the power that they have, whether they decide to wield it or not, but the the key role that they have to play in this really uh, preeminent moral crisis of our, our time, as some of our guests have said, abortion is to maybe motivate and cast a vision for them as to what God's plan is for the church leaders on this problem in our world. My goodness, in, in that in that newsletter, I, I talked about how the word pastor comes from the Latin word shepherd. In other words, we are to, as pastors, to be shepherds, under shepherds, to the chief shepherd. And as a result, we are to make sure that all of the sheep, every everyone that's under our responsibility, the members of our church, our congregation, is to get what they need spiritually from the chief shepherd. The chief shepherd chooses to feed us, to meet our every need by way of his word. And when we communicate his word, when we communicate 
will and God's way, we are actually taking care of the sheep. The problem is that many shepherds, under-shepherds, pastors, are, are no longer relying exclusively on God's Word to communicate His will and His way. We're allowing other influences to, to come in and, and shape our message. That's why when I'm on the sidewalk, I'm holding a sign that says, God loves you, baby. She really wants to know. She's not sure. She's not convinced that God loves her. She's in a difficult situation. It's not working for her. She's right about to abort the child in her womb, her baby, and she just wants to know right now. Under these circumstances, does God love me? Well, that's a message that should have been communicated clearly without any shadow of doubt from the pulpit. And so I begin to understand better and deeper what the word shepherd really means and what our responsibility is as no, I think you you and I have talked about this on other occasions, Walter, and you've identified some ways in which pastors are challenged, compromised, um, reluctant, reticent. Maybe just give us some of those, uh, your, your top three, let's say, so that we can then identify how to overcome those obstacles. What do you think are the top three barriers for pastors uh, engaging their flock on this issue, not only to communicate the value of, of human life, but his love for us so that we will know that he's going to take care of us despite the adversity we find ourselves in. What are what do you think are the big three challenges to pastors on getting this into the hearts of their people? Well, number one, we, we, we've got to talk about unconfessed things. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so many of the pastors that I meet are post-abortive, and this is the number one challenge that we're meeting in our ministry. He's post-abortive, and what I mean by that, there's an abortion in his life somewhere. It's, it's his mother, it's his wife, it's his son, it's his daughter. Uh, if he's a black pastor preaching in front of a black congregation, our numbers are so high when it comes to abortion that it may be the entire congregation mm. that he's preaching to that post-abortive. And when you have unconfessed sin in your life, you haven't dealt with it. When you just sort of try to forget about it, try to move on from it, no matter how well intended you may be, you have got to come down on your knees and confess your sin to God. That's as difficult as the day is long. And when we experience the, the liberty, the, the freedom, the healing, the love that comes from confessing our sins to Christ and renewing a right relationship to Christ, so many good things can happen and, and will happen. Oh, I, you know, one of the I just, I want to, the word that came to mind, I think it's, is it Acts 13, where Peter was exhorting repentance and he said the refreshing the refreshing of repentance. Oh, I wish that for everybody listening who needs to confess. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go on, please. <laughs> well, no, but, but that refreshing is needed. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about your salvation, you're still saved, you still know Christ, he is your Lord and Savior, but we have to maintain a right relationship with him mm-hmm. because that impacts everything. Not only our 
job in the pulpit, but our relationship in our, with our, our wives, our, our sons, our daughters, our the individuals uh, in our congregation, uh, it's it, critical. Uh, 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 another uh, issue that we run up against is that some of the, the felt, some of the pastors are common. They've allowed themselves uh, to be ruled by the money and not the mission. They, they've chosen the, the, the treasure over the truth. And that's a, another situation that we're going to have to work with. Yes, more finances will allow us to do this, allow us to do that. Sure, our lives would be more comfortable if we had more money in the bank. But God's will, God's way, and God's word must maintain number one. They've got to be the most important thing we're about. We can't allow the circumstances of life that's all around us to dictate or even remotely influence our mission here on earth. And unfortunately, uh, I, I, I literally talked to the fellows, and some of them have actually said, oh, Walter, I get it, I understand what you're saying, but, you know, I've chosen the money over the mission. You know, I've chosen the treasure over the truth, and that's a whole other issue uh, to begin. Hmm. All right, so the, they need to confess, and they need to get get over the compromise, and what is what's the third challenge that you see? Well, a, a third challenge would be you know, many of them are, are, are literally uninformed. And that's one of the reasons why we have a, a library on, on our website. Some of the fellows, they, they've even uh, said that they get tired of mainstream. <laughs> even they know that it's, what's coming out of mainstream media isn't the truth. They get tired of hearing it, but they don't know where to go. They, they don't know where to start to get alternative information. So when they come to our library and they can give us one stop shopping, many of them are informed that there are times when we're going to have to take a look at the circumstances that we are living in today, get the truth, get the data, read the reports themselves, and then line all of that up with God's Word. And you can clearly see uh, whose side you should be on. And so I encourage them, and we try to make it easy for them, to get the data, just the facts. And some of the facts that we share are directly from the abortion industry itself. So there's, no, there's, no, there's no failure to communicate here. This is what the abortion industry itself is willing to admit to. And even when they look at the, the data that they're willing to admit to, it becomes abundantly clear that abortion takes the life of an innocent human being. Walter, I want to return just for a moment because, you know, I, I'm I'm doing the part of what I do is to try to engage people with truth on social media in a winsome way. And, you know, there's always I mean, there's <laughs> one of my rules for social media right now is do not cast your pearls before trolls. Right. Because it's really easy to engage people who just are not interested in truth. They just want to argue or they just want to, you know, keep their point of view intact. But there are some people who are, as you say, are sincerely uninformed, and they might be in a position of leadership. And, and everybody, when you're on social media, you are, you're leading the bystanders. You're leading everybody who's reading the thread, right? 
And so I'm going to I'm going to include these types of interactions. Having had a 1.9 pound baby in the palm of your hand, I want you to address this horrible lie that says not a baby because of size or because not yet out of the mother's womb. I mean, you had an indelible impression of the humanity of your child. And so I want you to talk to that person who's, I don't know if it's heart and heart. I don't know if it's just trying to justify, you know, their wish for abortion. But I want you to address that when people say, not a baby, fetus, uh, you know, whatever those arguments are that put themselves up against the truth of the full humanity of children from their conception. It, it became clear to me that morning when I was holding my son in the palm of my right hand for the first time, for the first time, I was literally beholding my son. Before, I would only notice the, the needle, the, the tube, the, the hospital apparatus. Mm. I, I didn't really see the humanity of my son. But at that moment, I was broken. I had prayed all night. I had just given it all up. And I was holding my son upon my right hand for what I thought might have been the last, the last. And as a result, I was looking at him completely different. I was looking at his eyes, his fingers, and his toes. And it, it, it dawned on me, my son looked just like me. Mm. And when I began to realize it's not just a clump of cells. It, 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 it's not a fetus. It's a baby. It's a human being. It was my son, and my son looked just like me. God had created a human being. It was that moment, that realization, that really gave me the understanding that what's inside the womb of one is alive, living, breathing, human being created by God. Mm. You know, uh, there's also something in the news lately about uh, a rescue of aborted fetuses. One side says that they were given to a pro-life group by someone who rescued the bodies. Others say, no, the pro-lifers went and stole them, and it's really wrong and sick. But the result is people have been seeing late-term aborted babies' bodies. Uh, and some of the five that have been depicted in social media have been completely intact. And I would like to know your thought about the use of these images and the use of, you know, the victims' photographs as we try to make the case that Jesus loves you and your baby. Where do you where do you come down on this, Walter? In terms of the the most uh, how how we would be faithful shepherds around those images. I think that the images ought to be made available for those that want to see. That yes, you can paint a picture without the literal graphic, but all oh my there are times when it takes that graphic to really send home the message. And there are so many ways that that can be done. And so I, I, I support the images. I'm glad that they're available for, for people to see. 
if you want to put up a warning and say this is a graphic image, it's fine. I, I, I can see that. But I think it's a mistake not to have graphic images available. And so I want to encourage uh, the, the many ministries that are out there that are using those images. Because the humanity of the children speaks for them speaks for itself in the in the image. Thank you for that, Walter. I just we have about uh, we have about less than two minutes left. So whatever you'd like to share in terms of how people can get in touch with you, what your priority is, or um, more about your organization at Issues for Life, we'll we'll give you that in this closing. Well, God bless you. Uh, our website is issues and that's plural issues. For the number four life.org. Our, our mission, our exclusive mission, is just to reach black leadership with the truth regarding uh, abortion. And I want to encourage those who understand that black Americans are a target and black Americans are reaching a, a very dangerous point in our in our lives here regarding abortion to support. Just by go to our website, click on donation and you can support right there. I hope everybody will because I think you've ministered to us, Walter, and as hard as it is to hear that the shepherds are not carrying out their task as God would have them do it. I hope that they've taken it to heart, those who have needed to hear it. Thank you so much for the work that you do and your witness and your heart, Walter. Great to speak with you again today. God bless you. Walter Hoy of issuesforlife.org. And if you'll go to our website, we'll get you connected to all of his information and resources. Find us online at cradlemyheart.org. This is Cradle My Heart Radio with Kim Katola preventing abortion, and helping those it hurts. Please get in touch with Kim. Find out more at cradlemyheart.org. You can listen to the podcast on all platforms.